0: Engine editor and host of Talk That Talk, award winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson.
1: Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is 10 o'clock, a little after 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. It is time for your Thursday installment of the Talk That Talk radio show. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson, in the studio, and my guy, Matthew
0: Raftery. Matt, what's going on, man? Not much. You know, back to back weeks we're doing this um, mainly because of. The Vegas Golden Knights, but I'm mad at it.
1: Not mad at all. I mean, I hope that the people that are following this show, uh, I hope that you guys bear with us um, in, in our Thursday shows during the fall and winter. See, hell, all the way up until spring, huh?
0: Remember that thing about no days off that I was referencing a couple months back? Yeah. Okay. I was making sure.
1: It's kind of here. Yeah. It's kind of here. Uh, yeah, we're, trust me, we're going to get all into the landscape of the sports world. And it's not just Las Vegas sports that we're going to get into. We're going to get into a lot of local sports for for the the Vegas natives of course, but we're also going to get into some worldwide sports, some national sports of sorts.
0: A sports Equinox today.
1: Yes, and we've had a couple over the past couple of days.
0: Yeah, I think this they said this our past week, week, right? Something like that. I think they said this is the 27th time in history it's happened or something like that.
1: I feel like I'm leaving one out because we just had hockey, basketball, football, and what am I missing? Baseball. All on the same day. Is the sports equinox that you're talking about? Isn't there a fifth
0: sport? Yeah, so it's baseball, hockey, football, basketball, and... I am missing a full sport There's, It's five sports It's I know not tennis whats like, I'm going to Google a, it right it's now It's a major sport I know that much Is it soccer? It's not I don't think it's soccer Baseball, basketball, football, hockey It is golf It's golf, really It's golf
1: What, what golf event took place today? Anyway, we'll get to that. But if you guys are joining on Facebook Live, we appreciate you as always. If you guys would like to join on Facebook Live, you guys can do so at Talk That Talk Radio Show. Again, Talk That Talk Radio Show is pretty much where you can find this radio show across every platform. The one platform that would be different would be our Twitter. Is it is at Talk That Talk LV. Other than that, I think we got a I think we got a pretty packed show for you guys. As we said before, our Thursday shows where the Knights play at home. Uh, we will be starting our show. After the Knights game, and that's that's when, that's where when we'll start up. Typically, Matt or somebody else will be in building at the T-Mobile Arena, and as soon as that game is over, they head from there straight into the studio, and we give you guys our Thursday show, so that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. Before we hop right into the Vegas Golden Knights, I do want to read my mom's tip in. I like this one a lot. Picasso created more than 50,000 works of art. Matt, quick question for you. How many are considered masterpieces that we admire today?
0: Excuse me. How many did he create?
1: 50,000. More than 50,000.
0: I would say two today. 2,000? 2, no, two. Two. Oh, literally two. I think so.
1: So how many are considered masterpieces that we still admire today? It's about 100. Okay. But that's still less than 1% of his creations, or excuse me, less than 1% of his creations are still relevant. Stop trying to be perfect. It's a numbers game. Start creating and be courageous enough to share. So I'll read that one more time for you guys. Picasso created more than 50,000 works of art. How many are considered masterpieces that we still admire today? About 100. Less than 1% of his creations are still relevant. Stop trying to be perfect. It's a number game. It's a numbers game. Excuse me. Start creating and be courageous enough to share uh that's i feel like that's almost the same as when people say that you what that that they they don't see the 99 times that you fail but they do see the hundred hundreds try right they always tell us things like that but uh the knights got another try right they got another try tonight after a one in one road trip where i saw them drop their first game of the year it did come in what we said the earliest version of uh of a, what's the word, of a measuring stick game in terms of Calgary. They did end up falling short on that one. Do you want to give us, before we jump into tonight's game against Winnipeg, do you want to give us um, your, your assessment of what that road trip looked like?
0: I mean, kind of the – you had both ends of the stick, essentially, where you start off the road trip uh, pretty well in Seattle, kind of all things clicking on pretty much all cylinders, five and two or five to two the final score I believe in that game. Um you know, that game was essentially over after the second period. I think the Knights had all five of their goals before the third period started. So um and and I think it was if I remember right, five to nothing at the end of the second. So kinda just showed you the trajectory of that game. Um but even still I mean they, they didn't play that great of a third. They they kind of felt a little content, um, in some spots and I think you look at Calgary, the way that game unfolded, I mean, it's hard not to look at that game and say the Knights were one tiny area away from probably still being undefeated because they, they jumped out to a 2-0 lead and um, the second period really just fell apart for them. They had they committed six penalties in the period, or in the second period, um, and what felt like the, the entire second period the Knights were playing on the penalty kill. And... I mean, people are going to look at the the score at the end of the day and they're going to go, "Oh, well, Vegas gave up 3." I wouldn't put a ton of substance in that 3 because that was under a lot of pressure that Logan Thompson was under. I mean, w- even strength, he was he was playing really well. But when you're playing basically the entire period 5 on 4 and you and your team has the four, um, it, it gets a little overwhelming after a while. Um and I mean, really, it was an undisciplined period of hockey that allowed Calgary to tie the score back up at two, and then ultimately, I mean, at that point, they had the momentum. They're in their home building. Um, They were able to get that third goal kind of later on in the third. So, I mean, some time there for Vegas to try and make some noise in the third, but, I mean, kind of a theme that I noticed the past couple of games, and even tonight, it kind of bled into was Vegas is a very good starting team. They start games very well. Um very good tone being set early on. The back half of the games is what starts to concern me a little bit because, like I said, they they gave up two goals. Granted, probably in garbage time against Seattle, but still something you want to you know keep track of just for the record. Um, Calgary they gave up two goals in the second period and a game winning goal in the third. Um, and and then tonight they jumped out to a four nothing lead on uh, Winnipeg and then. Winnipeg answered back with a, ge- a goal in the second, I believe, and a goal in the third. So kind of chipped away at it. And in those second and third periods, Vegas kind of felt like they were playing a little content, that they were just kind of riding it out, just hoping to bleed a lot of the clock out. And, um, you know, they didn't really have that, that jump to their step that they had in that first period tonight. And, um, I mean, ultimately, they, they got the win. So a lot of it is nitpicking, um, finding different areas that this team can— Still improve on, I like to say, any team that um, is winning can always find different areas to tweak a little bit. Um, Maybe those areas don't shine as much when you are winning. So uh, that's why, like, I think a lot of people kind of just dismiss and brush aside the fact that Vegas is, I believe, 3 of 19 or 3 of 20 now on the power play to start the year.
1: 0 for three tonight, and you you just talked about their fast starts. But one thing I want to allude, or one thing I want to actually allude to before we get directly into the power play, or like thereof, I guess, l- lack of power play success. Uh, we we've talked about goalie play for for the Knights, and we've done it all year long, all off season long, I should say. But it's easier to get flexible and relaxed goalie play when you're up by three or four goals especially after the first 20 minutes uh I I wonder how much you saw or rather what you interpreted from what you saw from Aiden Hill tonight in between the pipes.
0: I mean I saw a a viable second option for Vegas at least in the short term um you know admittedly I had my concerns about Aiden Hill in the preseason as far as would he be a suitable uh, backup for Logan Thompson and I mean, he had a couple of shaky games in the preseason, but he's been able to right the ship and really look pretty impressive in his at least as his debut or the couple of starts that he's gotten. He, he's played pretty well, and you know he's kept Vegas in the game, and he, he he hasn't really put the team in too many vulnerable spots where he's giving up a lot of goals, and the offense is gonna have to, is having to keep up with that type of um, with just that type of goalie play that they've had in years past um, with some games, so. Um, ultimately I, I think Aiden hill played a solid game tonight um you know he, he did enough to for his team to win um you know he got a lot of goal or goal support I should say from his offense and um you know a lot of good things are starting are still clicking here for vegas um, like I said i mean the the areas that we mentioned is more so just nitpicking as far as maybe areas you if you're vegas you you can still improve um but I mean they're they're taking care of a lot of the major household areas of uh, hockey that you, that you need to, to to win consistently. Well,
1: speaking of Aiden Hill, he gave up two goals tonight. He did have 26 saves. That's a save percentage of Um, Speaking of two goals, Jack Eichel lit up the lint twice tonight. Does he look fully healthy to
0: you now? Jack's being Jack. Uh, You know, I, I think there's a lot of ex- high expectations on Jack Eichel. Um, Vegas see or Vegas fans see the price tag for Jack Eichel and what Vegas is paying for him. And with that comes a lot of high expectations. They want Jack Eichel to be the leading scorer of the team. They want him to be the leading producer of the team. Um, you know, he should be the top forward on the team by a mile, right? And so all of that being said, I think, you know, it's, it's probably still remained to be seen, but at this pace, it looks like he's probably back.
1: We'll see what happens on Saturday night because Saturday night at the T-Mobile Arena, the Colorado Avalanche, the defending Champions, will be in the building 7 p.m. on Saturday. Again, that is October 22nd. As of right now, the Knights are first place. They are 4-1, and one, 8 points. They are first in the Pacific Division. Calgary and the Kings are right on their heels at uh, with six points. Rather, Calgary is three and one on the year. The Kings are three and three. Anything else in terms of hockey before we get out of here?
0: I mean, Vegas is now four and one, eight points in the standings. I mean, all things considered, not not a bad start. Not
1: at all. Not a bad first nine days to the season, right? Uh, speaking of a new season, the Vegas Nighthawks schedule came out. What's today? Thursday. If it didn't come out earlier this week, I think I believe it came out late last week. But the 2023 schedule for the Vegas Nighthawks at the Dollar Loan Center, it's up. It's up and out. You want some numbers? Oh, speaking of numbers, do you want the over-under on the Knights game that you
0: just left? <laughs> I think I tweeted about this. Did you? What's I, the over-under? I slid it in a tweet. So <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those if you know, you know type of situations. Um. Six and a half or seven, depending on your book. Caesar Sportsbook had it at seven.
1: (laughs) There's either a lot of happy people out there in terms of just sighing relief, or there's a lot of unhappy people out there.
0: I would say if you're an underbetter, you're probably a little unhappy because the seventh goal came on an empty net. But if you're an overbetter, you're enjoyed because at least you get your money back.
1: That's what I'm saying. You got to breathe a sigh of relief. You got to just take the sigh and just live to fight another day. Speaking of living to fight another day, this will be year two for the Vegas Nighthawks. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. I don't like it, but we'll see what happens. Four of the first five games of the year for the Nighthawks will take place at the Dollar Law Center.
0: Why don't you like it? That's home games.
1: <laughs> you want to know why I don't like it? I'm going to give you some numbers if I can. No, don't try to pull away the old schedule. Whatever. I don't see the old schedule anymore on here for whatever reason. I don't know why. But the reason why I don't like it is because on the back half of their schedule, I want to count these out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. In their last seven games, they have one home game. That's why I don't like it.
0: Worked okay for the Aces, right? Different sport, different makeup.
1: Uh, what I will tell you about this team, I think this team, this team had issues last season at home, right? And I think what's gonna happen this year is one of two things is gonna happen. And you just talked about it. Why be upset, right? This is an opportunity to, if nothing else, get out to a fast start at home. Their one road game does come against Northern Arizona. That is the defending champion in the IFL. However, their home games, their first four home games, open up against Iowa. Then they have the road game in Northern Arizona. Then they have San Diego, pardon, Duke City, and then Northern Arizona again. Now, I think we're going to learn one of two things about this team. At the very least, this team will be able to defend home turf. Or... Remember last year how head coach Mike Davis said that he would be happy after four games if they were 2-2? and We may have to hit the panic button if things don't go right early in this season for the Vegas Nighthawks because they don't have any wiggle room for things to go wrong early because they're going to be on the road a lot, nine times out of ten, for an inexperienced team, too. What does it mean? I have no idea
0: means fans need to get out to the Dollar Loan Center early and often to check out the, the Vegas Nighthawks.
1: I mean, players mentioned it last season as well, that they, they 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 appreciated the support, obviously, but they did notice when things started to get kind of shaky on the field, the attendance resembled that. So they understood very quickly that they were in Vegas and that things there are a lot of other things to do here in Vegas. And I, I think a lot of players took that to heart. So we'll see what happens. Their season does open on March 25th. That is a Saturday night. From the Dollar Loan Center against the Iowa Barnstormers, former UNLV Rebel Gabe McCoy was a part of the Iowa Barnstormers two years ago, I believe it was, before playing with the Vegas Nighthawks last season in their inaugural season. Uh, Speaking of football, I think we got football for the next long time. (laughs) I have that. I have football for a long time on on this schedule, so let's just get right to it. Thursday night
0: football doesn't suck anymore. Finally, got more than one touchdown.
1: Fam, and we got that early. Like, first of all, I, I, I think, shout out to Daryl D. Who pairs. He uh, hit the group almost immediately. And uh, <laughs> he was talking about Andy after the first throw. And he was like, damn, Andy, it's the exact same thing I said at home. I watched that play at home and I was just like, wow. So at home, I, I literally had, like, my mini sports book going. I had a couple iPads going. My my, my phone was going. My computer was up. I just had so many different things going. I'm paying attention to, to, to the postseason, right, in, in baseball. I'm paying attention to Thursday night football. I'm paying attention to, to the third day of the NBA season. And this game continued to jump off the paper to me. And I think what's so interesting is we, we talk about in these early seasons or uh, in these early Parts of the season in the NFL, we talk about quarterbacks who take care of the ball. And that's one of the main things. We always talk about quarterbacks who take care of the ball. And we talked about it a lot with Derek Carr last season, right? Not so much this year with three picks in the first game of the year. But we talk about these quarterbacks. And these are a lot of times you look up and you see people like Kirk Cousins. And you look up and, wow, we're week seven and you have two interceptions, one interception. How does that work? Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, we know of these quarterbacks, right? The conversation was about any dog coming in. And how Andy Dalton had one turnover, one interception rather, since taking over for Jameis Winston who had five through the first three games. And you know how much I like Jameis. Oh, I know. So, just the simple fact of that being brought up, I'm not rooting against Andy by no means. Much. But in 60 minutes, Andy threw three interceptions. So it went from should Jameis get his starting job back to uh, well, I mean, respectfully to Andy Dalton, 30 for 47, 361 yards, four touchdowns, and three interceptions. That's Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. We're we're not used to seeing this Andy Dalton at this stage of his career. So I think those questions of should Jameis Winston get his job back are probably going to quiet down a little bit, similar to the way Cooper Rush did right after after losing last week. I, I, I just wonder, and this is where I get a little uncomfortable. I've said it before. I don't know how often people admit it, but sometimes you can see. I I, I oh, made my dad talk about it, talked about it recently. I said my Packers are in trouble because I can see my young players thinking. And I told my dad, I said I used to teach my middle schoolers when I played, when I uh, coached basketball. We practice all this time. We practice this hard for you to go through the rigorous motions of it. Now, when the game comes, it should be fluidity. I tell, I tell my kids all the time, I shouldn't see you think on the court. I just shouldn't. It should be instinctual. It should be an, an innate ability almost. That's what you practice for. I watched this game and Jameis Winston on the sideline. Look, how can I put it? Do you want to talk about Moving Gordon later in the show? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Reason there's a reason why I asked that. Uh when when, when Andy Dalton is doing whatever he's doing, Jameis Winston is the ultimate cheerleader on the sideline, right? The moment that he began throwing picks, Jameis. Is, is in his ear, telling him it's all right, get back out there, whatever the case may be. He's doing what he's supposed to do as a backup quarterback. However, Jameis Winston has shown us plenty of times when he's thinking. And I don't mean that as a joke. I know a lot of people are laughing right now, but I mean that in the sense of Jameis Winston, to me, I feel like I can read like a book. I feel like it's pretty easy to read Jameis Winston. I could be wrong, but – The reason why I said I'm scared for Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston has been dealing with this back issue all season long. After tonight, why do I feel like Jameis Winston is going to do everything in his power to get back to the field?
0: Because he knows what Andy Dalton is.
1: Do you want me to say what I want to say, really?
0: What is Andy Dalton? To be honest, when y'all said in the group chat that, oh yeah, Andy's in... I didn't know who the hell you were talking about at first. I was like, who's Andy? (laughs) I looked at ESPN. I was like, oh, Andy Dalton. I didn't think Andy Dalton was in the league still. (laughs) I I thought he had disappeared. I was like, oh, this is where Andy Dalton's at. All right. Uh, Yeah, all right. That's a fall off (laughs) from Cincinnati. Okay. Uh, It's a hell
1: of a fall off. It was a Dallas stop in there. Don't forget.
0: Yeah, I (laughs) I mean, on paper, yeah, he was with the Cowboys.
1: I mean, he, he, I think he even started two games for Dak. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dak went down with that injury. I think Eddie might have been there that year.
0: Yeah. Maybe. And then, um, I mean, just ask Cooper Rush how that's going. I mean, again, I think this is what happens in the NFL
1: and this is not meant to uh, overly critique these, these, these decision makers, right? But that's their job to make decisions. And at the end of the day, I think – it is also on us in our job to be commentators and things of that nature. And a lot of things come up to where, just plain and simple, they shouldn't be conversations. And I did think that the Cooper Rush points were pretty blasphemous, in my opinion, because Cooper Rush has been in the league for a little bit. A couple of different coaching staffs have looked at him. So I just – I mean, hell, even opponents coaching staffs have looked at him. I don't know, guys. You guys let me know. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because Darren Waller was a practice squad member for the Baltimore Ravens. John Gruden and his coaching staff played against the Ravens in a preseason game and said, that guy isn't playing? Cool. Tomorrow morning, let's see if he's still on that practice squad. Because tomorrow afternoon, he won't be. So I say all that to say, These backup quarterbacks that come in in these situations when the starter goes down, it's their job to not lose the game. Cooper Rush made it a conversation because Cooper Rush dead ass didn't lose a game. But he didn't do anything better than Dak Prescott. Up until tonight, the only thing that you could say that Andy did better than Jameis Winston? Is take care of the ball,
0: which is very important. Are we sure? In terms of what? What else did he do better? Are we sure that he took care of the ball better than Jameis up until tonight? Oh, okay, up until tonight. Up until tonight. I was gonna say if you were including tonight, I gonna... ah, no, was say. Nah, no. Tonight, it went. Tonight, Jameis Winston won his job back. I'm Jameis. I'm I'm chilling on the plane back, right back home. Like I ain't got nothing to worry about.
1: But even more, the reason I think Jameis is probably on the field next week, and I just don't know if Jameis. Jameis might need the full season to to recover. And let us just be honest. Jameis is on a one year deal. Jameis can't afford to miss the entire year. Jameis Winston probably shouldn't play football anymore this year.
0: But you know what they're gonna do? He's gonna go into the the uh, training facility, or yeah, all the. Medical professionals and say you know be like just whatever you got to do shoot it up like painkillers galore like well we know that New Orleans would do it
1: right because Taysom Hill is playing with two cracked ribs and he said he's playing p- playing rather with I don't even want to say what it is I, I I'm not even gonna try to pull the name out but I, I believe it's it's essentially painkillers but it's a shot directly into his rib yeah yes. um, and I, my mom is gonna. My mom might actually text me to answer, but, uh, I mean they're numbing it up, numbing it up right before he goes out there. And I've been a person, I've I've had bruised ribs before, never cracked ribs, bruised ribs. It hurts to inhale.
0: Oh yeah, that's what I've heard about rib injuries. It's but,
1: hell. It's hell on earth. Shout out to my brother for giving me bruised ribs too, by the way. But hell on earth. It, you know what? I. <laughs> I was hurting so I was like I don't even know exactly like how long it took but I was just like I'm going to sleep. I was a kid. I was like I'm going to sleep. I woke up because I couldn't breathe. You know when you're sleeping, you're taking deep breaths. I woke up because my body literally couldn't take the deep breath. I said, "Fam, you're asleep. Like how do you not how can you not breathe right in your sleep?" Uh but anyway, let's get back to this football game. Let's talk about the other side for a little bit before we move on. so, actually no, let's do this now. We're going to get to Arizona. Actually no. Let's do this Arizona point now.
0: By the way, I saw your tweet. Which one? Before we went on. Which one? (laughs) About Kyler and Cliff.
1: I think I liked one, too, that I felt like it was verbatim how I felt. The one that I tweeted was, barring barring a Super Bowl run? No, it's a fact. So I'll say it again. No, it's a fact. (laughs) So barring a Super Bowl run, Kyler Murray got Cliff Kingsbury fired tonight. Even with this win, anytime you have—I <laughs> said it in the group chat, but I stand by it. Anytime you have your quarterback, your star player—let me not even say quarterback, star player—come to the sideline and get into a verbal spat with a coach like that. The funny thing is, I think you—I think there's a I think it can be done, first of all. I think there are a handful of players that can do it, and I don't mean a handful of players in the league. I mean a handful of players probably in the world that can do this in North American sports. LeBron can do it. God bless the dead. Kobe Bryant could have done it. Steph isn't a yeller, so I don't even see that happening. I, you know what's funny?
0: I don't think Kevin Durant can do it. What about Michael?
1: Jordan? Michael can do whatever he wants. <laughs> but Kevin Durant can Tom Brady can do it. Can I think of another player in the NFL that can do it? Maybe Aaron Rodgers? Patrick Mahomes? I think even if you look at the way that he was talking to Arabian, I mean, he wasn't yelling. But Pat probably can do it. So I'm at six. In baseball, respectfully to that sport, nobody. I don't think I've ever seen anybody be bigger than a sport in baseball. Maybe Pedro could have done it. Pedro Martinez is probably the one name that comes to mind right now where you might throw Pedro back on the mound. <laughs> but other than that, I don't think that very many sports you can do it. Now, uh, I think if Ronaldo yelled, yelled at you and you were his manager, I think you would have to. You'd have to eat that I'd be one. Like, yeah, you got it, Ronaldo. Yeah, Probably you just do. got it. I think I think the owner of the club would say, you got to let him have that. <laughs> you got to let him have that. But I say all of that to say that I did not say the name Kyler Murray. And respectfully to Kyler Murray, with everything that he dealt with this offseason, it looked like a spoiled brat move. And I'm not saying that he's wrong. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's wrong. Maybe he is right. However, to come to the sideline and say calm the F down to your head coach, I get it last second we're waiting to call to play he's probably in his headset actually the headset cuts off so he's probably calling the timeout from the sideline whatever the case may be he probably wanted kyler to call it whatever the situation was for kyler murray to tell his coach at that time to calm the f down i think it may it may have been down 14 to 3 pardon that was gross if you guys are on radio that was really gross uh either 14 to 3 or 14 to 6 kyler murray let's be honest I said it earlier this year. Split Kyler Murray into two people. Kyler Murray in the first half, Kyler Murray in the second half, this year alone. Tell me that those are the same player. Just look at the stats. You would think one is respectfully to this person. You would think one is Joe Flacco in whatever year he's in right now, and the other is somebody completely different. That contract earlier in the offseason about Kyler having to do uh, film study and things of that nature and had to do film study away away from the facility. That gave lack of accountability. That's what I heard from the team. Lack of accountability is what we worry about with him. Kyler Murray going to the sideline in that situation where he tells his head coach, calm the F down, Like I said in the group, if I'm Kyle, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, first of all, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, I had a question for him all the way in Vegas. If I was in that press conference, I would have asked in that moment. It's obvious that you and Kyler aren't necessarily the calmest heads on that sideline. When Kyler said whatever he said to him, I thought it was one of two ways to take it because I I went both ways. I'm going to be honest. My initial response was look at the way Cliff Kingsbury has turned pale. Look at the way he looks uncomfortable. I saw it and then I saw him look at DeAndre Hopkins. And DeAndre Hopkins grabbed Kyler. And then part of me took back that assessment because I looked at it and I said Cliff Kingsbury was hot. He was hot as hell in that moment. My question for him was how important was it to let the veteran the veteran in the situation Control the situation. Because that was an amazing head coaching job in that moment. Here's my only issue with that. If I feel the way that I feel about Kyler Murray possibly costing his head coach's job tonight, Cliff Kingsbury is a fired man at the end of this year unless he wins a Super Bowl or unless goes to the Super Bowl. With that said, Kyler Murray would have got his ass benched tonight. Sometimes a president has to be set. I don't know if I'm head coach, if Kyler Murray comes to my sideline and says that. Kyler, we stink right now. I don't have time for your pettiness, bro. You could say it's fieriness. You could say it's 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 uh, the will to win. It's passion. You could say all of these different things. You guys have told me since high school or since uh, the off season that it appears that he has an accountability issue. Kyler Murray, if we are down, whether it's eight points, whether it's eleven points, this is the second time in the first twenty minutes of this football game where you are inside the red zone and the play clock is at two. And you're telling your head coach to calm down. Kyler Murray, what have you done on a football field that requires anybody coaching you to be calm? Even when you win, it's worrisome. What Kyler is going to end up doing is showing us throughout these 17 weeks. Why that contract was drawn up the way it was.
0: I got nothing else. I mean, I w- I will say I I agree that Cliff Kingsbury he'll be fired some point this season. I would say it's probably going to be on Black Monday. Um, I don't think Arizona wants to fire midseason if they don't have to, because I think they still believe there's a glimmer of hope they can get to the playoffs. They're three and four right now. I think they finished the year eight and nine. I think eight and nine is about where this team is. And I mean, they're not winning the division at all. Um, They're probably, dare I say, they may be the third best team in their own division. Um, I think you can make a case for both San Francisco and LA to be better than them. LA already beaten them head to head. Uh, they still got to play San Francisco twice. They got to go play the Rams one more time.
1: Can I throw a monkey rich in there really quick? Yeah. Let's go to their defense. Week one, they give up 44 to the Chiefs, right? That's the Chiefs. I'm going to give you the five weeks in between before tonight. This is what the defense has allowed. The Arizona Cardinal defense has allowed 23 points, 20 points, 16 points, 20 points, and 19 points. If you fire Cliff Kingsbury, you could promote. Defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, the head coach.
0: Hell, I might even give him 10 losses. Given the remainder of their schedule. So
1: why wouldn't I – I'm not saying now, but why wouldn't I fire him five weeks from now and give Vance Joseph the last five weeks of the year?
0: Mm, I mean, you could. I mean, it's a a tough enough stretch that if Cliff's not careful, he could get fired. I mean, he's got to go play the Vikings – uh, a week from Sunday, on the road, 10 a.m. slot. Keep in mind Call of Duty is coming out, I think, this weekend. There's a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason I brought that up. Oh, man. You know what's funny, too?
1: Uh, you just brought that up. But let's be honest. The Cardinals scored 25 points in that second quarter tonight. They have 42 points. Right? Outside of that 42 points, or excuse me, outside of that 25-point second quarter, Kyler Murray led the Cardinals to 17 points. The New Orleans Saints scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Without those two pick sixes, in that second quarter, New Orleans wins the game.
0: Kyler Murray, who should calm down? Instead of three and four, you're now two and four. No, two and five, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, you have the Vikings on the road next. After that, you're back home for Seattle. The third game of that five-game stretch is in SoFi against the Rams. Wait,
1: Paul, I'm sorry. I know you're reading.
0: Do you want to know Kyler Murray's stats for the year?
1: It's probably not good. Because I was going to say his stats probably don't look that bad. Do you want to know what, what his QBR is right now? They said coming in his QBR was uh 81 which is below league average right now. ESPN has their stats. And of course there, this isn't, um this isn't um the same QBR that they were talking about on the, on the broadcast. However, Kyler Murray has thrown for just over 1400 yards, six touchdowns, four interceptions. The QBR listed on ESPN right now is 46.6. That is 19th in the league. So again, who should calm down? Right. We just talked the. Never mind. We just talked about people not losing games. Well, Arizona's gonna be doing a lot of that, I think. This is what I meant when I said I would. If I'm Cliff Kingsbury in that situation, I already feel like I might get fired. I'm benching him. I'm sorry, because let's just say that he does feel like what we all feel that Kyler got him the job. Right? Cool. Kyler also could have just cost you your job. So if you felt like there was an allegiance between you guys because he got you the job, it was severed once he did that. Kyler, do me a favor. Take your helmet off. Coat. start throwing. And I'm not talking to you about it either. Anybody in the front office want to say anything? Oh, we paid him a lot of money. That's cool. What do you want me to do in that situation? You shouldn't respect any head coach that does nothing in that situation. So I did what I did. You want to fire me for
0: benching Kyler Murray? Do it. Yeah. How you got it, bro? I mean, like I said, the, the Cardinals could very easily look up at the end of the next five weeks and look at a 4-8 record. Like, that's very... You said pop- the Rams are in there, the Niners are in there, the Vikings are in there. So they got the Vikings next on the road. After that, they have the Seattle Seahawks at home. After that, they go to SoFi for the Rams, back home for the Niners, and home for the Chargers. Four of those five games, I think, are very losable. And if they're not careful, they'll lose to Seattle, too. <laughs> if they lose the, the next five, oh, there's no doubt that Cliff King is out. Cliff would be fired in the midst of that five. There's no, da- there's no doubt in my mind that if they lose four of the next five, Cliff will be out.
1: If they lose back-to-back games with that second one being at Seattle, that's a problem. Or home against Seattle, that's a problem. I'm telling you now. If he's not fired then to be not even whispers these are rumbles you're, you're starting to hear these and then i think like you said before depending on if he does drop four out of them, maybe a third straight i'm telling you tonight was the one of the ultimate indictments against cliff kingsbury despite this one
0: and not to mention even outside of that five game stretch you still got to play tampa this year you still got to play the niners one more time and i think you have a road game in Atlanta. Who has proven to be better than expected? They're
1: Detroit of last year. Or from this year. Yeah. How does that work? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> speaking of football, let's talk about some other week five matchups. Oh, you want to talk Melvin Gordon?
0: <laughs> you want it? I mean, he's you still fumbling the ball a lot? That's what Melvin does. Can somebody help me out? Because
1: I don't want to get I don't want to get into this. Uh <laughs> So, Melvin Gordon was supposedly, and I'm about to pull this video right now, but, (laughs) but there's this video of Jerry Judy and Melvin Gordon talking. I don't know if you can see this video. Now, they don't look happy. Now, Nathaniel Hackett, head coach of the Denver Broncos, who's made a couple of headlines already this year, said earlier this year that – or earlier this week, excuse me, that Melvin Gordon was the starter. And a lot of people were questioning, especially a lot of Denver fans. I watched a lot of tweets from Denver come in and say, wow, great job by a head coach to reward a player who is on the sideline while another fellow running back, which was Latavius Murray, if I recall correctly. Let me make sure I'm pulling that right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I get the name right. I believe it's Latavius Murray. But um, way to reward somebody who's pouting on the sideline instead of being a team player with a starting job. And I got to be honest, we've seen it happen. So the reason why I have to address this in a certain way is because does Melvin Gordon need to hold on to the ball better? Hell yeah. I would hope that Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon wouldn't argue that. I would hope. Do I believe Nathaniel Hackett understands that and has told him that? Yes. However, that is the head coach of that football team. Therefore, he may know the best way to get something out of Melvin Gordon. Maybe Melvin Gordon checks out quickly. Maybe he can't afford to have somebody come in. It's different. If Javante Williams is getting your snaps, this is somebody who we've drafted. We expect him to be here. It's a little different to take, right? Now, he goes down with an injury. You're supposed to be the guy. Now, this third guy comes in, and he's still getting all your reps. Now, granted, it's a, it's a win-now league. So, if that's ultimately the, the workhorse in our backfield, that's who we're going to go to. However, I don't know that he's not trying to lose Melvin Gordon completely. I will finish off my soliloquy by saying this. With as much that has surrounded the Denver Broncos this year, it's going to look like it's a scapegoat, but there is no way in hell Melvin Gordon is still a Denver Bronco after the trade-in.
0: Is it because of the Denver fans pushing the issue? I think it's a big pot of everybody's stew. Because I, because I think if, if that's the case, the Denver fans are missing the bigger picture as to what is wrong with Denver.
1: Stay right there. Because it's a big pot of everybody's stew. The first name that I'm going to mention is going to be a little unfair, but kind of not. The first person who's at fault is Russell Wilson. That was the first name I thought of. Because plain is simple... It's not solely on him, but he's one of the names that I'm going to mention. The first name we're not going to mention because if the Denver Broncos win more, we're not even talking about this. No, we're not even talking about it. Even with his fumbles, you're winning despite the fumbles. Like this is what would happen. However, Nathaniel Hackett's at fault. Yep. Denver Broncos fans are at fault. Melvin Gordon's at fault. Because of this, what do I tell you all the time? Just burn it down. Just burn it down. If this is the bridge between (laughs) Melvin Gordon and the Broncos right now, it's not going to make it to the end of the year. Burn it. Just burn it now. Just get rid of them.
0: But this was. Send them to Atlanta. Atlanta will definitely use them. Uh, But this is what we talked about before the season even started. All these Denver fans were trying to sell us. 18 that had Russell Wilson on it, as far as, oh, this is the, the final piece that we're missing. We both looked at each other and we said, cool, you just shipped your biggest target away to Seattle in Noah Fan. hmm Show me who Russ is actually cooking with. It still remained to be seen. I mean, Jerry Judy is, you, I guess you could call him the number one target now, but he's had games where he hasn't looked like it. So, I mean, it, and we've had those games. As, I mean, we've had a lot of primetime games, so people have got oh probably too many. I mean, a lot people have gotten to see a lot of Denver over recent memory. And the biggest thing that stands out <laughs> is Russell Wilson is not making Russell Wilson like throws.
1: Remember when the Cleveland Browns are on primetime like four or five times out of the year? Yeah. I like mean, to start the year.
0: I, I I think the NFL probably did that unintentionally. They're like, you know what, let's just get him out of the way now. We 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 don't want this team in the back half of our year. Like I'm I, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I told you this
1: earlier in the year and I'm gonna continue to pat myself on the back because I said it before. I said I expect him to prove me wrong. I said, but if I'm looking at anything about last year, I can't just go to oh Seattle looked like this, oh Seattle looked like that. Russ, you looked bad. Like, you didn't look like the same Russ that I was championing coming out of college, right? So, plain and simple, Russell Wilson and this Denver Bronco marriage hasn't been ideal. They're too deep into this marriage, and I mean deep, not even time-wise, but investment-wise. Russ isn't going anywhere. So what's so interesting about this situation is I think the Denver Broncos could look completely different in one way by the, by the uh, trade deadline, and they could look a completely different way by the start of the NFL season next year. But I do want to highlight and pat myself on the back about earlier this year when the quarterback ratings came out for Madden, I said, I love my guy Russ, but Russ is outside of the top ten, and he's going to have to show me that he's in that top ten. Russ has actually dropped on that list. In the top 15? Probably number 15. He's getting – he's dropping to that area. He's somewhere between 12 and 15 right now.
0: Would you take Kyler or Russ? Oh, my God. (laughs) This year? Jeez Louise. If you're an NFL GM, you have to take one of the two right now to start your franchise. To start my franchise. Well.
1: Because I, I, my, my cop-out answer is going to be it depends on what I have. But if you're asking me, like, to add him to my Packers, move Aaron Rodgers and add him to my Packers, I got an answer for you. If you're telling me to who I want to start my team with. Yeah,
0: fresh franchise, this is your first pick.
1: I'm probably still going, Russ. I'm probably still going. If the answer, if in terms of my Packers, I'm taking Kyler, though. Um. The reason why I'm taking Russ in terms of I can build a team because I'm going to build the defense. Russ, your job is to not lose the game. But I don't think Russ is considered a game manager because Russ is one of those guys that he will love you to sleep, love you to sleep, low you to sleep, boom, over the top. It happens all the, it happened all the time in Seattle. Trust me, I'm a Packer fan. It happened all the time. So I would take Russ in that aspect. If I can build my defense, but obviously – if, if you want me to do something right now with Green Bay, I think Russell Wilson would be lost in Green Bay right now with
0: those receivers. So you're still worried about Kyler losing you games more so than Russ.
1: No, I think that when Russ has looked bad this year, when Kyler Murray looks bad, resp- again, this is going to sound really, really disrespectful, but numbers wise, when Kyler Murray looks bad, you ever seen a high school football quarterback have a bad game? It looks like that. It's four of nine for 46 yards. You've played 30 minutes of football and you got 46 yards? Like, like when Kyler looks bad, it's ugly. Russ, we're looking at Russ more so with this puzzled look because we've never seen this from you, Russ. The hell is this? We even gave you excuses last year when this came up. The hell is this? Speaking of quarterback excuses, what's Baker's now?
0: He ain't got none.
1: (laughs) Baker has every excuse in the book. This is to You know what's funny? This is not fair to Baker Mayfield because Carolina has thrown in the towel on the season. Baker Mayfield's numbers are not going to look good this year. Baker Mayfield may miss time this year. What I mean by that is we see it all the time with quarterbacks, right? We see it, we're see we seeing it with Carson Wentz a little bit right now. Having surgery on his finger, may miss four weeks. Baker may go through something like that. And knock on wood, I'm praying for his health, but I mean that in the sense of the Carolina Panthers are going to be bad. Baker's not going to look good. Baker is heading towards an inevitable benching. Baker strikes me as too prideful. If Baker has a shoulder that's tinkering with him, if Baker has something that's going wrong right now, I give Baker two weeks, two to three weeks. Before it comes out, it becomes an issue, Baker has surgery or Baker's sideline for the season. One of the two things is coming. You know it's coming right after that? Baker Mayfield, Johnny Manziel comparisons. They're coming. Very, very quickly. The reason why we're talking about this, guys, is because Christian McCaffrey was shipped off from the Carolina Panthers today to San Francisco. Now, (laughs) plain and simple, I trust Kyle Shanahan. Yes, he's blown two leads in the second half, in the fourth quarter specifically of Super Bowls. I still trust him. That means he's gotten the two Super Bowls. I don't know, guys. I trust him. he's He's a quarterback. Or excuse me, he's a coach who has invented ways to run the ball in a sport that we had pretty much thought we had that sewn up. We thought we had it sewn up in terms of ways that you could run the ball. Kyle Shanahan invents ways to run the ball. Debo, Debo Samuel. You have Christian McCaffrey now. You have a host of other running backs that can help. You don't have a running quarterback anymore, but you have a quarterback, again, that will not lose you the game, so that should not lose you the game, right, given given what he has around him. You guys talked about it in the group already, and I'll let you go into it. This team looks very, very dangerous. There's one reason why I'm not too ready to jump on board yet. Christian McCaffrey has to show me he can stay healthy, and the way that this 49er team is pounding the football, they endure injuries. A lot.
0: I mean, I still think they're the NFC representative in the Super Bowl, these 49ers, with this move. You have a, I'll say, competent quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not a guy that's going to move the needle free one way or the other. But, like you said, he's not a guy that's going to go out there and stink it up and lose you the game either. He's very middle of the roadish. Like, if you think of mediocre quarterback, you probably get – John or Jimmy Garoppolo that's probably just a, l- a little above that. He's a little above mediocre. Um, and now you have a very solid running game with Christian McCaffrey. Trey I,
1: Sermon is a, is a power back I, out of there. I know they're dealing with injuries too. I was going to say too, the the Niners are going like,
0: to have to this offseason. The Niners are going to have to figure out what they're doing with their running back room. If they're they've
1: had it for the last three or four years like that though. Yeah. They're going to do it by committee. Raheem Moster was there before, right? He's in Miami now, but they've done it by committee over the last couple of seasons anyway.
0: Yeah, and I mean Jeff still, Wilson
1: is there. Tevin Coleman is there. Elijah uh, Mitchell. There's another one who's dealing with injuries. So yeah, it's a crowded room for sure.
0: Uh but, and you still have George Kittle as your uh, number one target, or at least in the passing game, uh, assumingly a number one target along with Deebo Samuel. Um, and a defense that's still very solid, a defense that's led by Nick Bosa. Um, you know, you have help in the secondary um, as always. And, I mean, really, when you think of Sanford, you think of one of the grittier, tougher defenses to go against. And I, I think adding Christian McCaffrey was probably the missing link for San Francisco as far as being legitimate contenders. And I mean, I think they look around the landscape of the NFC to me. I think they see one team that could contend with them and it's probably the Eagles. Like outside of that, I feel like San Fran looks around and goes, now that we have Christian McCaffrey, nobody's really going to give us much of a run in the NFC, given how the the season's playing out. I was
1: letting you rock
0: um <laughs> on,
1: on this particular part, but I'm reading uh, an article that just went up a couple of moments ago from Josh Weinfuss. I hope I'm not wrong with that, but this is an ESPN staff writer, and he's writing from Glendale, Arizona. Would you like to know what I'm reading right now? Uh-oh.
0: How old is Kyler Murray? He's got to be like 25. Kyler Murray
1: bad not be 25.
0: 24? 25. Ky- Kyler Murray
1: is 25 years old. Oh, shit. That was a guess. Okay.
0: All right. Let's get into it. Why would you say he shouldn't be 25? (laughs) Because
1: you know what's funny? My mom taught me at a young age that uh, when you're explaining something and when you're apologizing, like, certain words just don't go into it. Like, but I was trying to, like, certain words just don't go into it. Kyler Murray was explaining the situation. Obviously, that went down on the sideline. And uh, he said he was just telling his coach to calm down. I mean, first of all, Kyler, we saw it, so you don't have to tell us. Um, However... This is a quote from Kyler Murray. The clock was running down and we couldn't have gotten a playoff in time. Or excuse me, we couldn't have gotten that playoff that we were trying to run. So it was, I guess it was my fault. I'll take that.
0: He said, I guess it's my fault. (laughs) Whose fault is it? Isn't he the one that hikes the football? Or that tells the center hike?
1: Kyler, let's say somebody was in the wrong spot.
0: Isn't he the one that's supposed to direct the offense to be in the right spot or to audible out if he needs to? Like, Isn't that why you give the keys to your quarterback for the offense?
1: Let's have some fun with this. You think in a team death match, you think Kyler Murray, whenever somebody <laughs> whenever somebody loses, he blames everybody else on the team? Oh, most definitely. 100% right. I would never want to play king of the hill with with Kyler Murray because the moment the other team snatches the flag, he's blaming everybody else. I mean, you could play cool. Kyler, you were the closest one to the flag. I know, but I was looking the other way. What does that have to do with me? You
0: were the closest one near the flag. Like, anyway, he got to be a menace to play Call of Duty with. You know
1: what's funny? I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> I don't know if Kyler Murray is this guy. And it's the same thing that I had with the Celtics. Arizona, the only reason why my takes are this like this about Kyler Murray is because of that contract in the offseason.
0: It made it sound like Kyler was real childish. Maybe Arizona was, Arizona was probably pointing to that now and going, see, we told you.
1: This is why I wouldn't have taken it out. I wouldn't have taken it out of my contract. Kyler Murray, you can feel disrespected. Kyler Murray, you can feel all of these different things. You can feel disrespected all you want. Well, I'm giving you $190
0: million. Fam, I don't care how you feel. I was about to say, if I'm Kyler Murray in that spot, it's like, uh, how much you want? Uh, you want me to watch it in a certain spot? You you know, uh,
1: yeah. you want me to record it? You want me to go on Periscope? I'll do whatever. You want you me want to, want. <laughs> I'll create a Twitch. Don't worry about it. <laughs> how much you paying me again? All right. Yeah, that's not going to be a problem. How much you
0: say stream here or was a month? That's not going to be a problem. Fam,
1: like, <sighs> bro, at the end of the day, and then this is the thing, too, and I couldn't wait to get to this part, but. I guess they were asking about what what um about how Cliff Kingsbury is on the sideline. And he said he's real animated over there on the sideline sometimes. So somebody asked if Cliff Kingsbury was actively screaming into his headset. Kyler Murray said no. He said he just saw the antics.
0: Is that part of the film that he was studying. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: That was funny. That was a good one.
0: That was a damn
1: good one you all this damn filming or all this films that you do not study you want to study this part of the film right now you want to talk about the sideline I have a bigger issue with it now I think you've seen me do this before where you're kind of like you're you're deep into something and somebody typically tells you something or asks you something or thinks that you're talking to them. And it kind of gets into one of those moments where you kind of look over at him like, you're about to get all my frustration. It wasn't even about you at first, but you said something to me and now I, I didn't zero it in. Kyler Murray just said that Cliff Kingsbury, he wasn't yelling in his headset, which is what I said. I said he probably wasn't yelling in his headset. What just happens? What happens? if somebody was out of position and Cliff Kingsbury is on the sideline freaking out because that person wasn't in their position and you're coming to the sideline cursing me out, I have zeroed in on you. What's your numbers look like right now? Yeah, Kyle, of do me a favor. Sit your ass
0: down. Wait, 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 wait. How much are we paying you again?
1: I'll calm down when you sit down.
0: Yeah, exactly. And – I mean, I, I say that it falls on Kyler because go look at whenever somebody's out of position on Tampa Bay when Brady's on the field.
1: There's a viral video of Green Bay right now. Of Aaron, Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers cursing out a tight end. Get your ass over there. You've seen Aaron Rodgers when he called for the motion and the tight end stood up and went to the left. You've seen Aaron's shoulder sink. Aaron just stared at him. Get your ass back over there.
0: He's not looking at Matt LaFleur being on like, well, see, he's out of position. Like, we can't run this play no more. It feels like that's what Kyler does. Is he? He's, it almost felt in that moment, even though he didn't, it felt like one of those moments where Kyler kind of just looks at, um, at Cliff Kingsbury and goes, see, he's out of position. It's not my fault. Like we were talking about earlier. When you're playing King of the Hill, it, it could be completely Kyler's fault. But something will have gone awry in Kyler's mind that goes, oh, "It's not my fault."
1: Or he'll tell you like somebody called him in his house, like, "Fan, what they got to do with me? <laughs> like, what they got to do with me, bro? I don't care. I'm over here trying to respawn right now. You telling me that somebody calling you for dinner? Um, I, I truthfully don't know. I have no other words for it. I'm, I'm, I, cause you know what's funny? That's why I asked how old Kyler was because I wanted to end this with all the jokes that I was saying and end it by saying, "It looks like Kyler might just need to mature." If Kyler has a maturity issue at twenty-five,
0: it ain't gonna happen. The Arizona Cardinals have not found their starting quarterback. Well, and I think this furthermore solidifies the point that can we please stop bringing college coaches up into the pro ranks and letting them loose right away? Like this experiment has not worked time and time again. It hasn't. Not, it didn't work for Nick or for. Uh, well, I mean, it kind of sort of worked for Nick Saban. Kind of. I mean, of the group, he was probably the most successful to do it. It didn't work for uh, Urban Meyer. It's, yeah. It damn sure ain't working for Cliff Kingsbury right now. It
1: worked for Chip Kelly for all of one season.
0: You got, Yeah, exactly. You got one decent season out of Chip Kelly, and then he crumbled. UCLA right now. He's at UCLA. <laughs> he's back in college, and he's doing great. So let's just accept the fact that college coaches – are great college coaches. There's a big gap between the college game and the pro game, and I think it's a gap that a lot of these coaches don't understand until they step foot in the pro game.
1: Who knows? Maybe we're overreacting to this Kyler Murray situation, but we will end it with this. Cliff Kingsbury on a situation. He's obviously trying to
0: – pardon.
1: He's obviously trying to uh, downplay the situation, but he, he tried to take the, the, the joking approach.
0: This is what we're doing, three and four.
1: I don't like it, but whatever. He said, I didn't look good on TV acting that fiery, Kingsbury quipped. I don't know. Guess it's a Gen Z thing. You're on TV, so calm down. I like showing emotion. Kyler Murray said that Kingsbury is, quote, unquote, usually chill until Sunday.
0: Again, if I'm Cliff Kingsbury, what's preventing me from not cussing out my quarterback? Kyler Murray. In that moment. (laughs) Kyler Murray. You know what? Or, Damn. Be, or better yet, just I'm know. trying to figure out how
1: I want to go about this.
0: Or if I'm Cliff in that moment, I'm doing one or two. I'm either going to cuss him out or I'm going to pretend like he's not talking to me. I'm looking around like. Yeah, no, that's a fact. I, I'm I probably would have like, did it too. I'm like, you ain't talking to me, are
1: you? Fam, who are you talking to?
0: Because, bro. Who need to calm hey, down? Man. Me? Oh, I, I know he's not talking to me.
1: This is why, again, music and, and, and sports cross all the time. But going back to the You Ain't Got the Answer Sway interview, I love the fact that Sway had to look at Kanye and tell him, like, he pushed his mic away. He pushed his mic away and was like, yeah, c- hold on. Like, wait, we can cut. Hey, we can we can wrap this up. Because we can we can have a conversation without these cameras on. Because I don't know what you think this is, but it's not that. Cliff Kingsbury absolutely should have looked around and said, fam, who are you talking to? I know you're not talking to me. So Kyler Murray, really quick. Speaking about Cliff Kingsbury being quote-unquote usually chill until Sunday, A, he shouldn't be chill on Sunday. That's number one. That could be the reason why you guys have three wins through your first seven weeks of the season because he is chill on Sundays. So that's number one. Number two – I haven't been around every NFL coach, right? Not by no means. Not by any means, rather. I've covered Raider practice. Josh McDaniels is a pleasure to be around for the media. Josh McDaniels don't look fun at practice. You know the only coach in the league that I think that people will say is cool throughout the week? I got one for you, Mike Tomlin. Hell no. Pete Carroll. Uncle Pete. I'm not mad at that. That's the only one that I think I can see the NFL player saying, yeah, if you play for Pete, Pete's pretty chill throughout the week. I think there are 31 other coaches that are hell to be around during practice. I think there's 31. Kyler, are you telling me that there's 30? Could very well be. Because if so, Congratulations on getting your coach fired twice in one night
0: I don't know bro I was
1: saying everything that I was saying about Cliff, about uh, Kyler's response Or what Cliff's response should have been And Cliff chose to joke about it, I don't know Guys, I, you, I'm not going to care more than The person, I tell you guys that all the time If he don't care about getting cussed out I, I, Trust me, you think I'm going to care more than him? How mad do you got to be
0: if you're Arizona's GM right now? You got to win, so I would assume that, but a win at what cost?
1: No, you know what's funny? I think I do got an answer for you. I think you're happy. I think you also tell yourself, in terms of everything else, I'll deal with it in the morning. Tonight, we celebrate a win. Tomorrow,
0: I'm probably going to go to both of them. What
1: the hell is happening right now?
0: I thought you were about to say tomorrow morning I'm going to LinkedIn and putting up coaching. <laughs> <laughs> Post Anybody? No, need, anybody that's only be UNLV. Coach? Anybody want to be the head coach? Like, yeah, just hit the supply button. That's only UNLV. We'll take applicants. UNLV really had they
1: did. their head football coach they did. application on Indeed. They did. I was like, oh, I'm throwing my hat in. <laughs> I'm throwing it in there. Uh, no, but in all seriousness, uh, let's move on to some other Week Seven uh, news rather. The Raiders are back in action Sunday from Allegiant Stadium, one o five kickoff against the Houston Texans. I don't like saying "get right" game, but it needs to be a get right game. If the Raiders do not get right in this situation, want to talk about some other head coaches under fire? Um, Josh McDaniels may be in a serious hot seat if they do not get that victory on Sunday from Allegiant Stadium. I will be there. The Raiders will be returning from their bye week. They are one and four on the year. They're one and three against the AFC.
0: Yeah, it's a get right game. Coming off a bye, had some time off, had some time to recuperate. I mean, it, it, if Vegas played their card right, like maybe this bye week is kind of the, the coming to Jesus moment for this team. You know, it's a little premature in the season because it, their bye is so early, but maybe it's a, a bye week that they needed to kind of regroup and hit the reset button. I mean, we, like we said, it's, you know, different sports, but. I mean, it's kind of what the Aces went through. They had a little bit of a rough patch in their schedule where they were just kind of treading water a bit. They got to the all-star break, they hit the reset button, and they came out guns blazing after that, and the rest is history. But I, I think something similar needs to happen here for Vegas. They need to have seriously hit the reset button and just put the first six weeks behind them. You
1: mentioned it before, the first
0: five weeks coming out or of this bye week.
1: I guess. Or five or six weeks. No, five weeks, you're right. Six weeks, including the bye week. Okay. But you mentioned it after coming out of the bye week, they have five games that should be winnable for this team. We'll see what happens. I do want to give you guys an update in terms of the injury report. Three players limited at practice so far this week, Jayon Brown, Mac Hollins, and Foster Moreau. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro have not participated at practice this week so far. Hunter Renfro is dealing with the hip injury. He's already missed a couple of games earlier this year due to concussion, and Darren Waller is dealing with a tight hamstring. Hamstring that was actually tight, um, actually uh, tweaked, rather, against the Kansas City Chiefs right before the bye week. However, the Houston Texans, this is not rooting for it, obviously, but the Houston Texans have eight players on their injury report, including tight end Brevin Jordan. I mean, I don't know, man. They have three receivers on there as
0: well, so. You feel like this is a game where the Raiders can – get by with a heavy dose of Josh Jacobs and not have to be dependent on the running game. Absolutely. I think if you do that though, you also, especially with these three receivers, well, four pass catchers, if
1: you include tight end Brevin Jordan missing in the game. I think this is a game that you may be nervous if you're the defense. Uh if you're a defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, you may be nervous if you're Josh McDaniels. Speaking about your defense, but I think this is one of the moments I want to force them Obviously, you want to force them off schedule. That goes without saying. You want to keep them off schedule. However, I think you want to force them to throw the ball. I think this might be a game you can get three interceptions. It could be one of those games. For this secondary, for it's for it to be improved in certain areas, right, you got a leader in Deron Harmon back there who uh, certain plays aren't necessarily getting behind them, but it's still some tackling issues for this secondary. Hell, one could argue in a secondary, there are certain moments that Jonathan Abram has been the best tackler for this team. So I think this is an opportunity to where you, you shut down a running game and you create some one-on-one opportunities on the outside. And I I think that you just have to hope that your secondary is going to be better than a lot of these players that are going to be lining up as pass catchers for the Titans mainly because, or for the Texans rather, mainly because they're almost their entire starting unit in the past catching department, it's probably going to be on the injury report. But we'll see what happens on Sunday, 1.05 p.m. from Allegiant Stadium. UNLV isn't at Allegiant this week. They are in South Bend. In fact, they are 25-point underdogs against Notre Dame, Saturday, 11.30 a.m. I guess I'll go first. Back-to-back losses for UNLV for the first time this year. I don't expect a high-scoring game in this one. That's all I'm going to say.
0: So UNLV stays within 25. That would be the theory behind it, at least. They should? I say they
1: should only because UNLV has been outscored 82. Yes, that is an 8 and a 2. 82 to 14 in the last two weeks. We talked about first of all shout out to the the power rating shout out to Kenny White Sports shout out to Alex White. Uh we did a show yesterday that actually just went up to YouTube today. And we did a Mountain West show and we did a basketball show which we're actually about to get into. On the Mountain West show I told her I was like I'm I'm staying away from the they just switched this layout on the UNLV Rebel website random. But anyway, they switched the 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 font. But looking at UNLV I would like to say that they cover the spread. However, if you want to look at any number for this UNLV game, I look at 47, and that's the number in terms of the over-under. I like the under for this game. UNLV, I just mentioned it. They have been outscored 82 to uh, to 14 over the last two weeks. They have seven points apiece in their last two weeks. Even in ga- even in Well, first of all, for uh, Notre Dame, all season long, they still average under 20 points. They averaged 19.7 points per game. They do have one outlier where they scored 45 points against North Carolina. I don't expect a 45 to 32 game like that North Carolina game. So I said it before. I think the first 15 minutes of this game, I think a lot of people in Vegas are feeling great about themselves. And then I think just the difference in, I don't want to say talent level. And I'm gonna take a risk with saying this word because they've proven me wrong twice already this year. I'm gonna go physicality. I think that the physicality that I talked about at Cal, right? That did prove to 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 be the difference. I think we I think we see the opposite of what we saw at Cal. When we saw UNLV kind of buckle down late and get everything kind of to go their way to give themselves a shot. I think it's the exact opposite. I think UNLV has a fiery first quarter. I think it may even be 0 to 0 at the end of the first quarter. I think it's going to be that uh that much of a struggle. I don't like the rest of the three quarters for UNLV. I don't. I think that it's under 47. I don't know that UNLV doesn't get blown out 30 to 7. 36 to 7. Like, something random like that. But the number 47, I definitely see both of these things falling under that.
0: I mean, it earlier in the week, I think it's 28-17 Notre Dame. Mm. I'm not mad at that. Ah. Because you think at, UNFV scored 17? I'm not putting stock in Notre Dame blowing out anybody because they haven't shown me that they have this year. Yeah. I look at the game that they're supposed to. Oh, you're supposed to blow Marshall, right? You're Notre Dame. Oh, you lost that game outright. Okay. At home. Never Good mind. Um, oh, what? Do
1: you know UNR has a loss to Incarnate Word this
0: year? Yeah. That just tells you how bad UNR's could be. I thought Why you, did you tell me that? I thought you had saw it.
1: UNLV basketball plays them this year. I'm telling you something. If incarnate, no wait, no, I'm telling you something. If incarnate word beats
0: Norder, wait, wait. If they beat UNR football and UNLV basketball, so do you just ask for Kevin's uh key card after? The- Absolutely not. But you
1: ask for the AD at incarnate word.
0: Do they want to be in the Mountain West? That's what you do. I was about to say, do you do you ask Kevin Kruger for his key card? Be like, hey, bro, no. we we can't have that. Like. Thanks, but no thanks.
1: If we didn't ask T.J. for his,
0: we can't ask Kevin for his. No, we were about to give him the opposite, actually. I, I, oh. <laughs>
1: <talking about> that. <laughs> for so that his, means
0: Kevin's good for another three years, at least, right? Uh, but the logic holds up. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think it's one of those. Kyle Williams is back at practice this week. Uh, no, Jeff Weimer still. I don't believe. Um, I know, Doug and. Aiden Robbins, to the best of my knowledge, at least the last time that I checked, had not participated in practice this week. Uh, Doug dealing with a concussion, or being in concussion protocol, listed as day-to-day. I would normally say that under normal circumstances, Doug probably is out, although this is Notre Dame, and we see the drop-off from Doug Brumfield to Cameron Friel. I think it's one of those, if Doug wakes up Saturday morning and feels good enough to play, Marcus Royer will let him play, even without practicing, because I think that's how much Doug Brumfield means to the offense. Now, Aiden Robbins is doing, I believe, with a right knee injury, another guy listed day-to-day. Maybe it's one of those that if he's kind of like Doug, if he's feeling good on Saturday and he's able to go, maybe you give him a little bit of a go. Uh, maybe you give him some limited snaps and you split snaps between him and Courtney Grease, definitely a possibility. But I think if Doug Brownfield plays in this game, UNLV keeps this closer than twenty-five. Like I, I, I do think they can they can put some points on the board that the offense can manufacture some some offense or manufacture some points rather on offense, and they can maybe give Notre Dame a little bit of a scare. Now, ultimately, I do think Notre Dame winning the game I'm not really doubting that point but we saw it last year at Arizona State when Doug was in the game Doug was given Arizona State hell now I get that that's Arizona State and this is Notre Dame who's to say that something similar can't happen where maybe Doug plays and UNLV is down 7-3 to three at the half <laughs> the under should be in effect then. So should the plus 25 because I think that it's one of those that they could probably come out in the second half and get a touchdown from Doug. It may have to come in garbage time when nobody's really paying attention, but I do think you get to at least double digits in scoring for UNLV.
1: Alright, cool. Whatever. I don't care anymore because I feel like you're taking a cop out. What happens if Doug Brumfield does
0: not play? Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought yeah, I thought so. Seven points. they will get seven. Again what does Notre Dame put up because you can you can't turn the ball over Notre Dame's not getting to 30. this can't be a game where you turn the ball over
1: if you turn the ball over constantly like you did last last week against Air Force made my homecoming prediction look horrible but if you turn the ball over like you did against Air Force, anybody could score 30 points if they're holding the ball for 35 plus minutes
0: but well, we already talked about that with that game they have four turnovers for 28 points if you take those four point, four turnovers away it's a 14-7 ball game. Yep. I think the same could be said for this game. If UNLV limits their turnover to – they could probably have one. And I think the defense is stout enough that they could maybe stop the one turnover. Adam Plant Jr. has to play. He might. I, I, or he should. Marcus uh, Aurelio had um, him as
1: day-to-day, I believe, recently.
0: I thought I saw something one. that he was back at practice on Monday – no real sign of injury, uh, should be good to go for Saturday.
1: Which brings back what you said before, because he's still it's still listed as an undisclosed injury. We, we don't talk about it enough, but it, uh, I don't want to do this, but whatever. It's going to sound like I'm shouting out Kanye West, but a while back he did that, uh, all of his interviews I feel like are viral now, but he did an interview with, Con- with uh, Charlamagne the God that went viral, and I thought one thing that he said that was really, really interesting, he said, um, Whenever a person sprains their ankle You have to get off your ankle You have to not stand on it Use crutches Refrain from whatever He said people that go through Certain things It can be a challenge on them mentally And He said he feels like there was a moment where his ther- Actually I think he said his therapist may have actually told him That he sprained his brain He said so when he needs to heal that it requires not thinking much it requires not having to be a decision maker it requires certain things like that so when you when you just say what you said before this is maybe the third or fourth time that we have all as media been like well it doesn't look like he's really dealing with anything and you brought up something on monday's show that is very val valuable to this landscape, because not all injuries are physical. Marcus Arroyo did say, I believe two days ago, we'll see how he feels. Sounds like Adam Plant Jr. has the answer to whether he's going to play or not. Whether he has the answer right now, we don't know. But it appears based on what Marcus Arroyo was telling us, he's the ultimate answer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I think... As Adam Plant Junior plays, that's a big addition to the defense. It's a reason why I think they can somewhat slow down Notre Dame on all, or Notre Dame's offense. And I mean, like I said, I'm just not that confident Notre Dame can get to 30 points under normal circumstances. They haven't, like we said, we haven't. They haven't really proven that they can get to 30 points consistently outside of that one game. They haven't. <laughs> I don't think they have a game. So I mean, you look at. I, It's more—it becomes a numbers game, especially if you're looking at it from that side of things as far as, like, you know, minus 25, plus 25, over under 47. Like, you start doing the math on it and going, okay, if we're pretty confident Notre Dame can't get to 30, that means they're probably going to land on a fairly square number of, like, a 28 is probably where they're going to land. Maybe— 24 to 28. Somewhere. I was going to say 24, so I'm not yeah, mad. Yeah, 24 that. to 28 somewhere in that area because that sounds about right if we know they can't get to 30. unov has got to be good for at least a field goal, maybe a touchdown. Maybe you get both depending on who's playing. You might get both. You might get lucky and get both. But last least, week scared me. Last week was the first time this season that I've been scared. But even last week, even with four turnovers equating for 28 points, Cameron Friel still let a touchdown drive. Indeed. So let's say you get the one usual touchdown drive out of Cameron Friel. And he lost his starting running back. Even better. Let's say you start you let's say you have the usual Cameron Friel touchdown drive that you get usually one per game. At least that's what he's been averaging. We're looking at twenty eight to seven. Now, it's not necessarily close. Right. But it's somewhat respectable.
1: Coming off of a forty two to seven loss and a forty to seven loss, twenty eight to seven. Is a win. The only loss in that moment, aside from the obvious one, would be scoring seven points for a third straight week. That would mean that the offense looks broken. Uh, speaking of offenses that aren't broken at this present moment, Don Sullivan. Shout out. I feel old, Matt. Life just moves quickly, like extremely quick. I feel like I just did. Do you know Don Sullivan was the first coaching spotlight I did? Ta da. Funny. Um she became the new volleyball head coach in my my first coach's spotlight, in case you guys are wondering what it is, our coach's spotlight was um just getting into the mind of a coach. And a lot of times what the the angle that I kind of pitched it as was everybody likes to play Monday morning quarterback, right? Oh, you should have done this, oh you should have done this, Cliff Kingsbury, you should have done this. And a lot of people don't understand what the coach's resume looks like, that the coach used to play, that just certain things about the coach that'll make you understand. Well, I mean, maybe I'm not qualified to question what they're doing. And Don Sullivan just so happened to be the first one. And that story was called Dawn of a New Era. And boy, has it been the Dawn of a New Era. Since writing that story, Don Sullivan has brought you in a National Championship. And tonight, she picked up win number 100 in her career so congratulations to don sullivan and unlv's volleyball team anytime i get an opportunity i try to pop out to one of those games it was two sports that i used to pretty much try to three if you include swimming but i've only been like two swim meets like not covering it and um those are the two sports that I've been able to anytime I catch a or I have an off day or something like that where I'm just at home and I got some time, I'll run up to, to uh, campus. And I would typically watch KO and her Lady Rebels, or I would go and watch Don Sullivan and her in her in her volleyball team. I just had to. If you know anything about Don Sullivan, it's just a certain energy that you want to be around and I mean, they're still parading around a national title trophy, so why wouldn't I, right? Congratulations to Don Sullivan. I wanted to talk NBA tonight, and then I realized that it was a short night, so we're going to probably save it for Monday. We'll have some Monday Night Football to kind of prep for. We'll have the Raiders to go over. We'll probably have at least 30 minutes to discuss some, some some NBA, but we're three days into the season. Um, For anybody, I know we're here in Vegas, so a lot of the hometown team here in Vegas would be the Lakers. If you are, You know that you're 0-2. I don't have to reiterate that, even though I just did. Um, Is there any story? Actually, how do I want to do this? I'm going to give you one because I don't have to go over all of it. And then we can get out of here by talking about some baseball. But (laughs) Alex and I did the show yesterday, and we did some NBA Futures. A couple of these jumped out at me, and I tweeted I tweeted this out earlier, and I know you were probably headed to the Knights game, so you probably didn't see it, but did you watch our basketball one? I did not see it. So I tweeted it out, and I said the NBA Futures show is out, whatever the case may be, the pod is out, cool, 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 cool. In my tweet, I questioned if Giannis Antetokounmpo was plus 1,000 in anything, would you take it?
0: Probably. It's decent value. Ten to one, yeah.
1: Why is Giannis plus one thousand to win a defensive player of the year? Giannis has the fourth best odds to win a defensive player of the year. Who's ahead of him? Guess. You'll be able to guess one. Braun. Bron, no. Uh Kevin Durant? No, sir. Defensive player of the year? Oh, Katie! Actually, Katie probably should get more recognition for that in hindsight. But one is a new big man down in Minnesota. That's the that's the favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year, obviously, and Rudy Gobert. The other two might surprise you. I like Bam Adebayo a lot. I'm not saying he can't be Defensive Player of the Year. I liked him a couple of years ago for Defensive Player of the Year. I don't know that his odds should be higher than Giannis coming into the season. Third on that list is Robert Williams from from uh, Boston. I'm not mad at that. He's not gonna play the first two months of the year. That's the problem, yeah. Is Giannis free money?
0: <laughs> it depends. I mean, if Giannis Fam. If you got a hundred dollars. Yeah. As long as he stays healthy, like it it should be.
1: Fam. If I got a loose hundred dollars at the house and I was one of you betters out there. Giannis is plus one thousand on anything? Give me that. Other thing I'm going to get out of here before we uh when, when we are done with these with this future talk until Monday. Uh Golden State's chances to, chance to win a title. They're plus 700. They have the they're tied for the third best odds. Milwaukee's first, 550 I think, plus 550. Boston's next, plus 650. And then the Warriors and the Clippers are tied at plus 700. So as I said before on that show with Alex, over the next couple of weeks, you guys are going to find out why I like the Clippers so much. The Clippers won tonight. They beat the Lakers 103-97. to Paul George was the leading scorer with 15 points. The Clippers had six players in double figures, three in the starting lineup, three off the bench. I think that's important to talk about with this team because this team is – we've seen it in the postseason over the last couple of years, but you're going to have a series where in the Clippers – uh Defense where Demarcus Cousins will play, and then you'll have a separate series where Ivica, Ivica, that yeah, Ivica Zubox and Demarcus Cousins, you guys are probably going to play a combined like twelve minutes. Like we, we got it. We got to leave Marcus Morris out here. Kawhi's going to play the five, whatever the case may be. You've seen ability to, to 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 change. I don't know that there's another team more structured to be drag and drop. Oh, Norman Powell is getting tired. Cool. Pull him. Robert Covington. Go do the same thing. Oh, man. Terrence Mann is getting tired. Don't worry about it. Luke Kennard. Go do the same thing. Kawhi's getting tired. Cool. Paul George. Go do the same thing. I don't know. Here's my only issue with that number. If you're getting the same plus 700. With the wild card that is the Clippers. Why wouldn't you take those same plus seven hundred odds and put it on the defending
0: champions? Because of how hard it is to go back to back.
1: How many times have we seen the Warriors galvanize when things go wrong? I've I've told you guys this mistake before. I think the villain origin story for the Warriors this year was that practice video getting leaked. I don't think anybody's getting traded. I don't think anybody's getting cut. I think the Warriors would at the very least be in the Western Conference Finals
0: this year. I'm looking on the Clipper point. Like, I, I took 7-1 to on the Clippers. I said, how much? Okay. I mean, it's the deepest team in the league. By far, They, it's a team that legitimately goes like nine deep in their roster. And those are nine guys that you look at and go, I'm getting quality minutes out of these guys. These These are guys that are going to produce... It's not, you know, somebody's 12th man that you're throwing in when you're up 30 because you need, you know, somebody just to fill in the f- the last handful of minutes. Like, depth's going to start mattering in the playoffs. It's well, It always matters in the playoffs. We're going to see it show up particularly in the playoffs. The Clippers are the one team I look at and I go, They'll def- they can just throw in Golden State because they can go toe-to-toe with Golden State. They can match Golden State's depth. Head for head
1: As of right now That's what I have I have the Clippers And Golden State In the Western Conference Finals We'll see how things match up I, I I do have some other things That I want to talk about In terms of my overs And unders And whatever the case may be We can get to some to some specifics On Monday But I tell you what I have Washington as an over Right? Right? People aren't going to think that that, that that that's logical I'm gonna tell you one thing. You know they're starting. You know they're starting. um, I'm gonna say running back. You know they're starting point guard. No, no, right. Monte Morris from Denver. Monte and uh, and you see the little shrug. It's like mm, right. How do I feel about that? Right. I'm not mad at you for that. Will Barton is over there as well. The reason why I'm saying it is because Will Barton and Monte Morris were actually traded. Straight up, if I recall correctly, for Kentavious Caldwell-Pope and Ish Smith. So Ish Smith and, K- and KCP are over in Denver now. Monte Morris and Will and Will Barton are with Washington. Monte Morris started seventy four out of the seventy five games that he played last year. Denver was a four seed or a five seed, whichever one. Denver was one of those. Am I wrong? I am. That was a 3-6 match. They were a there were 6 seed. Now, with Jamal Murray, we expect Denver to be possibly uh, a championship contending team, right? They don't have Jamal Murray last year. Monte Morris fills in. They're a 6 seed in the Western Conference. Yes, you had the MVP over there. What else did you have? A lot of shooting. That's what, that's what the Denver Nugget makeup was. The Washington Wizards over-under right now is 34-and-a-half. I think people underestimate what a competent point guard can do for your team. Monte Morris is going to run an offense where Bradley Bill is scoring number one, Chris Asperzingis is scoring number two, Kyle Kuzma is scoring number three. Now, Monte, you and Will Barton, spot up. Get these open shots. Washington starting five. I don't think they're gonna run people out of the building, but I think Washington starting five is going to be talked about a little more toward the end or, toward the latter part of the season. Let's talk about some baseball really quick before we get out of here. We have five minutes left or so in the in this day. We'll go ahead and still end it at midnight, but. Houston took a 2-0 lead over New York tonight over New York tonight rather and I'm here to say that I don't think it's over obviously but I think it's only fitting that the playoffs start the ALDS starts and you see the Yankees lose to lose back-to-back games to the Guardians you sit there for a moment and you go Oh, where well, the Yankees stink. This will be the worst letdown. And, oh, you got to fire the man. And then they get out of the series. Now you lose the first two against Houston. It's here again. You got to fire, but you got to. What happens if the Yankees win this series? This is going to be the wildest roller coaster to a World Series that I have ever seen in Yankee history, that I have seen in Yankee history. I can't even tell you of another wild, every wild, Yankee playoff run, or excuse me, every wild Yankee run didn't go to the World Series. Every one that I've seen, they've either ended in ALCS, they've ended, whatever the case may be, they don't go to the World Series. I kind of like the overreaction tonight. Everybody reacted to it. I'm like, fam, it's a one-run loss. Both games were in Houston. They got to go back to the Bronx. If you want to use, what was it, two years ago as any comparison or whatever the year that the that the Astros cheated, that's what the Yankees pointed out. Aaron Judge was one of the main people that pointed it out. Look at us when it came to, to, um, to the Bronx. It's not close. Max Kellerman brought it up as well. In Houston, they're barely getting by us. They come to New York, it's a no contest. So as much as Yankee fans right now and New Yorkers as a whole – are ripping into the Yankees. Not only what what if the Yankees do win these next two games, but what happens if the Yankees blow the Astros out these next two games? Brand new series. Speaking of brand new series, it's the best of five. Over on the other side, in the NLCS, the San Diego Padres, and the Philadelphia Phillies are both tied at one apiece. We shall see who will headline the fall classic. Um, some Actually, before I, I uh, get to my dad's tip in I did have NBA news really quick I didn't do this last week or maybe a week Or two uh, two weeks ago But uh, just prayers and blessings To Dikembe Mutombo Who is battling a brain tumor I believe it is uh, Just prayers to him and his family His friends, his fans, teammates Um. What, what's the word? Rivals, right? Things of that nature To To watch the basketball community come out for Dikembe Matumbo in his time of need has been has definitely been encouraging and hopefully uplifting for him, and the same goes for former NBA official Tony uh, Brown who actually passed away today as well after a long bout with pancreatic cancer. Uh, just the NBA family has basketball family rather has has gone through a lot over the last fifteen months or so. Uh, I would like to say happy thirty second belated birthday. To Brittany Griner, who spent her birthday in a Russian prison. Um, Brittany Griner has been gone since the middle of February, guys. So we are eight months into what they expect to be a nine-year bid for Brittany Griner. Um, I have no words. We're going to get to my dad's tip-in. I'm going to play some music, and we're going to get out of here. My dad said, just found out that Christian McCaffrey, or actually, I just found out about the Christian McCaffrey trade to the 49ers. Anyone who is a football fan of any NFC team has to be a little bit worried. It always seems that the Niners are one puzzle piece away from a championship caliber team. Is McCaffrey the missing piece? Is the combination of McCaffrey and Debo Samuel what they need to get over the hump? We all know what a difference maker McCaffrey can be as one of those best dual threats in the league. But when healthy, in 2019, he became the only or excuse me, he became only the third player in NFL history to have a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving in the same season. But can he stay healthy after missing 23 of the last 33 games over the last two seasons? Keep in mind that he played for the Carolina Panthers. Are you going to let them run you into the ground? Lots of questions and we just have to wait on the answers. The return of McCaffrey to the Bay Area after starring in college at Stanford and finally getting a chance to play for Coach Kyle Shanahan after Shanahan had strongly considered taking McCaffrey in the 2017 draft with San Francisco holding the number two overall pick but decided on defensive lineman Solomon Thomas, who just happens to be McCaffrey's Stanford teammate after they traded down to number three. Pardon. After the Panthers lost... After the Panthers lost to the L.A. Rams this past Sunday, that dropped them to 1-5. A dejected McCaffrey said, all I want to do is win. Let's see if he gets his wish. Not going to lie to you, Dad. I hope he does not get his wish with the Niners. (laughs) I don't know, man. You got anything? I'm good. Until next time, guys. Keep on talking. (laughs)